You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Welcome to this week's episode of Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Herd is hosted by me, Joe Hakeem, and I'm joined by Nick Britsky of Nick Drinks, Jason Leinert of the Detroit Optimist Society, and Vato of the Hungry Dudes. We are joined each episode by workers, leaders, and analysts of the hospitality industry. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd on the Apple Podcast app, Google Podcast app, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcast. If you like or dislike what you hear, write a review. We love hearing from our listeners. You can visit Herd at HerdPodcast.com, follow Herd on Twitter and Instagram at HerdPodcast, and like Herd Podcast on Facebook. Thanks for listening, and now here's this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. So we're in the studio talking about reviews, podcast reviews, particularly not Yelp reviews, not restaurant reviews. Let us know what you think. Yeah. So it's important um, from a a standpoint of um, advertisers and stuff like that to have written reviews, Yeah. um, good or bad. You take the good with the bad. Hopefully it's good. As long as the bad uh, or the good are based in something sound, like not... You know, I don't like the way this guy looks. I'm going to say his food sucks. <laughs> right? You know, like a lot of that stuff came out. Joe looks awful. Right. So It's a podcast so review. His, so his food sucks. <laughs> I'm talking about restaurants. But. Well, I mean, you know, we're, we need. That, so, that bottle's got a voice for radio. Lis- listeners, for radio? you know, listeners, write review. Yeah. Please subscribe. That's important, too. Follow us on Twitter at her podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram. at her podcast. Yeah. Like us on Facebook. All that stuff is important. Right. Um, as we progress and as we try to, you know, maybe get some advertisers and stuff like that, like we would like to have some base, some social media clout as the case may be in some podcast yeah. review clout. And let us know who you want us to talk to. Yeah. You know, you would really like to get, you know, blah, blah, blah. We're responsive. We'll listen to you. Yeah, at least, we'll at least listen. Yeah. Uh, okay. So Vato. Yeah. Hamilton. Hamilton. Yeah. So that's like the hottest ticket in Detroit, right? I know, and it's going through mid-April or so. I mean, uh, I didn't spend a gazillion dollars on it. Uh, I probably would have. It was so good. Like for me, the pinnacle of like all the shows, I'm just a theater nerd. The pinnacle of all the shows for me has been spam a lot. Like I love the Monty Python thing, and it was just well, well produced, well put on. Uh, this is like a ridiculously close second. This was flawless from start to finish. I mean, the whole idea of... I learned so much about history, first of all, which is crazy. Going to a show, learning about history. The whole thing's done in rap. Uh-huh. The entire thing is done in rap. I, uh, I know nothing about it, so you can talk to me as if like I've. I've oh, I mean, I mean, little. I mean, there's sad scenes. There's people crying in the audience. There's people laughing. I mean, there's just, I mean, it's just it was a perfect show. Uh, now we, we briefly mentioned the ticket. So you you have a, uh, a subscription. Yeah. A subscription. You know, Broadway in Detroit does a subscription. They got different price packages depending on where you want to sit. They have different price packages on depending on where, what days you want to go. So we had pick, and as a subscriber, you can change the date pretty easily. So if you want to change from a Sunday to Friday, um, you know, and you get upcharge like ten dollars a ticket, it's not that critical. So I, you know, right now you can go on StubHub and find tickets for like minimum like two hundred dollars a ticket. This is literally cost me like I think eighty five dollars per show. You get there's like eight, eight, seven, seven or eight shows throughout the season, and and the real one of the real takeaways for me, uh, twisting us back towards like food beverage hospitality, is that we go out to eat before the show. So uh, we went to cuisine this time. The other day we went the last show we went to Marrow before the show. Uh, the show before that, um, oh man, where do we go? I, it was, uh, the next one we're going to, we have, uh, Tekoi, we have reservations at Tekoi already. Uh-huh. Uh, and so it's been a really fun time. We go into the, the restaurants and then, oh, before that we went to Lady of the House. That's right. I had the carrot three times. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, so it's before the show. So it's, it makes, if, if you're not one to always get out, this is like a double, you can have like a double, like, you know, whammy of getting out. Like so you're, you're gonna, dinner and a, dinner and a play. Dinner and dinner. Yeah. So, okay. So a couple sentences ago, you said seven or eight shows a season. That's not yeah. Hamilton. That's the, the, 
no you, Fisher Theater. Yeah, Broadway in Detroit. It's, it's seven it, or eight different yeah. shows. Okay. So it wasn't always it wasn't all at the Fisher either. The we had one show at the Opera House. Okay. Uh, and then you get access to other shows that are in the circuit, like Jersey Boys is coming up and the Wicked was back, and you get early access to that, so you can pick those things. And but if not, you get uh, let's see, I, I think the number is seven. I think you get seven shows, six or seven shows um, that comes with your packet. So what's the initial outlay of like money? It uh, if you I, want seven, yeah. Days. No, I think it was so we got Loge on Sunday, and I want to say it was four ninety a person. Which and that includes that includes all tickets that's or all the tickets. That's all the tickets. Okay, and then, right. but not the upcharges. It might have been yeah. It might have been five forty a person, something like that. Anyway, you, you go to the BroadwayDetroit.com. Incredibly reasonable. It, it, yeah. Plus, you get parking. Yeah. So you don't have to you know park in the street or use a lot. You can go in the structure. You get the parking for that. You get. Uh, they're very accommodating to subscribers, and like I said, you, it's a if you don't get out, this is a way to force you to get out, and then you want to make a night of it. So, like, all right, I'm going to book some dinners and blah, blah, blah. I, I, I think it's just a great thing. I wish I'd done it before. This is the first year I did it, and I did it for Hamilton because I knew the ticket prices were going to be astronomical. Right, yeah. And I'm Good gonna foresight. Do it. I'm, I'm doing it again next year. Good and planning. I don't care what the shows are. <laughs> yeah, well, everybody's got uh, one shining moment. This is, that'll be mine, I suppose, for this year. Uh, so we are joined by uh, the owner of Ruckus Taco Company, Jeremy Kelmas. Hey, Jeremy, how are you? Hey, great. What how up? are you? What Good. up? Matthew? So, plays? You go to plays at all? <clears throat> you know, I can't say I've ever been to one. But you've been to probably uh, Paw Patrol Live or something like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah you're see, right. You're see? right. <laughs> yeah. Been to a handful of those. <laughs> yeah. I guess that does count. It, it's also terrifying <laughs> because the, the show, you know, if you've, we, I think we've all been to shows like that. Yeah. And those guys are giant on stage. Huge. Yeah. And they're, it's loud as hell. And, and like, the kids it, are screaming. It's a big deal. And there's those light things going. I remember I asked Jeremy, I was like, because you know he's got a uh, daughter that's uh, my son near my son's age. I'm like, yeah, hey, you want to go to Daniel Tiger? And he's like, Daniel Tiger is dead to me. <laughs> <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> I remember saying that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's a lot different than Broadway. Well, I think yeah, yeah, yeah I'm sure. <laughs> I think I think the next show I'm going to actually end up going to is Kids Bop. Oh, nice. That that sounds awful. I, you know, <laughs> if it wasn't for Kids Bop, I wouldn't know any of the Taylor Swift songs. And I know every uh, Taylor Swift song. It's cr- well, yeah. every one of them. So, yeah. t- kids bop is kids singing pop music. Yeah. <sighs> so I know uh, some producers of events who are forced to play uh, kids bop in rotation because their events are family family friendly, and they're playing songs that you know are going to have some swear words in it. But now that they're kids singing it, it's okay. And so they have all this pop music, and it sounds pretty good. These kids can sing. Um, and they got to put all these CDs in rotation or whatever it is. But I do it through Pandora, just throwing a kid's so, bop radio. And Are you saying, like, like this, these are kids singing, like, Cardi B and shit? Like, is that what you're saying? I don't, yeah, I don't think I swear. Do the, kid, <laughs> was, the kids swear? <laughs> That's uh, what I there mean. was LMFAO. Uh, okay. There's uh, Taylor Swift. There's uh, Miley Cyrus. There's The kids are all singing it. And, wow. Yeah, Party in USA. What's up? <laughs> but not like Kendrick Lamar. Well, I think no. Right. Well, on the kids on the kids pop radio, uh, they have some of the originals. So there was one that had, uh, I don't know, if it was Rihanna with Kendrick Lamar. I don't know. Something. It was. Uh, this is way off topic. <laughs> um, but I'm, yeah, we're going down a rabbit hole. Let's yeah, bring it back. Yeah. So I did some. Uh, I had uh, Reed, my son, um, on Friday. We'd have the day off. Whatever. We were, took him around Detroit. So we went to the Michigan Science Center. Oh yeah. And we went to the DIA. And then we went to El Caporal, which is uh, a taqueria on Junction and I'm not forget the other cross street. Um, never been there before. It's fantastic. No shit. Yeah. It's it's pretty amazing to me how um so how'd you Southwest how'd you come country. up with how'd you find like what did uh so previous guests, Serena obviously, Daniels. Obviously you went to Yelp. No? Well, right, yeah. <laughs> That's no. your go to. So, so Serena, uh, who was a uh, who's been a guest in the past, um posted something on Facebook about them having uh birria. Which is like a goat stew, um, and I went there to have that specifically, and they were out of it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so, um, ended up having uh, 
tacos, which we'll talk about oh, with yeah. Jeremy in a second. And then I had something called a pambazo, which I'd never had before, which was kind of like a reverse sloppy joe. So the bread is mm. dipped in like a chili sauce and they cut it in half and they put chorizo and so good. Uh, p- potatoes. And, yeah. yeah. It was fantastic. <clears throat> Sounds delicious. Um, so that, that experience, we went to Good Cakes and Bakes, who April was our guest last week. And that was fantastic. Um, I hadn't been there before. And that's just, it was like beautiful space, all types of, like she brought a bunch of stuff last week. Um, last week was her 100th episode. So she. Yeah. And I, I felt really bad. I couldn't be here for our 100th episode. But you were in Denver. I was in yeah. Denver. And the restaurant scene out there is just, it was incredible from start to finish. I, I hit three spots and a few bars. Uh, first spot was Mercantile. Um, Near Union Station, that place was just great. Service was great. Cocktail service was great. Uh, the second place, which I think was my favorite of them all, is a place called Bardo, D-O-U-G-H. It was a fresh pasta place. And I was with a, I was with a bunch of blue-collar guys that I work with, and uh, we all were sharing plates and passing drinks around, and everyone's tasting everything. It was perfect. And that place is perfect for it. And they had a reservation. They sat us right away. The pastas were out of this world. They were I mean, the funny part, though. Like I'm trying to cut the pasta and eat it, and it's not one of those twirly pastas. And every time I cut it, it just it, it felt like it just kept growing. It was like one gigantic pasta they put into this bowl, but it was phenomenal. It had like a um, a lamb bolognese, the one I liked the most, and then there was a bone marrow we got, and all kinds of stuff. Um, the third uh, place we went to was a a James newly James Beard nominated uh, restaurant for. Uh, best new restaurant America is called Q House. is a uh, Chinese place. About the, I want to say it's about the size of Mabel Gray. Really, really small. Has that diner feel when you walk in. But oh my god, the food was just, just phenomenal. And what, that, what kind of? Like, uh, so we got bao buns to start. I was, I was probably a few cocktails in by okay. this point. But uh, bao buns. We got uh, like a Szechuan noodle thing, and then we got like a, a fried rice thing, and then. Um, the drinks again were not phenomenal there. They were phenomenal at Bardo. Um, went to Death and Company, got, oh, yeah. dr- got yep. drinks there. Went to another place called, uh, oh, uh, I'm going to have to look it up really quick. It was uh, like Union Station or Union Lodge number one. Uh, and that place was really cool. They did a whole absent thing uh, where they flamed the, uh, you know, the, uh, they already had, yeah, there. yeah, they, but they, they already had, I want to say they already had the absinthe in the glass, but they flamed something and then they poured water over it with the sugar. It was a unique experience though, but it was really, really fun. Yeah, I, I love Denver. I, I think it's a great city. I've been there a couple times. Um, they, it, it's beautiful, first oh, of all. Oh, yeah. Um, the, uh, it's, everything is so like pristine. I, I remember going, you know, going through there and just, marveling at how clean everything is you know yeah and, I, um i'd go back for sure the coffee shops were great yep. all the coffee shops had alcohol which was like convenient oh, it was i loved that i walked <laughs> in i was like hmm do i want a cortado or do i want a cortado with the side of whiskey like i don't know it was uh i don't know it, it was it was nice everyone was friendly and it's a huge uh so obviously colorado has recreational marijuana it's very legal there right. um and it's uh widely accessible like i feel like i i I come across more weed shops in michigan than i came across in colorado really or it wasn't so prominent it wasn't like in detroit you go down this eight mile and there's like you know this huge green crosses everywhere right in colorado it's i mean i smelled it here and there but for the most part it wasn't to me it wasn't prominent i don't know if there's a um at least like on eight mile like with all the green crosses that's that's medical, first of all. And of sec- course, because, um, yeah, everything started off medical. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so uh, we don't even have a recreational uh, marijuana dispensary open yet. Um, no. We we'll probably won't have time. one for another year. Yeah. yeah um, but um, in Colorado, I think that a lot of it is um, they're, they're they're not heavily signed um, in terms of – so like there's a place I remember called Native Roots um, where it just says Native Roots on the door, but there's not like a huge sign that says Native yeah. Roots, get your weed here. Right. you know, And that might be a legal um, part of how Colorado does their uh, recreational marijuana. I don't know. Um, I, just, I, I'm just, I just know that the food is really good. Yeah. Yeah. Digging the, food the food is great. Yep. Cocktails are great. And I was happy to be with a, a group of people that 
uh, allow themselves to experience food the way I like to experience food. Like, you know, like you and I go out to eat Joe and, and we get a few dishes. We all share it and taste everything. And that's, I think that's the way to go when you're out. Is there so another very, way to eat? You know, everyone gets their own plate. <laughs> that's the best. Man. Right. So the first time we went out, everyone got their own plate, but then everyone shared a few things. So like I got the duck, someone else got duck, right? We could have got, I could have got duck. Someone else could have got, well, someone else did get short rib. Someone else got, you know, we had five people at the table. We could have got five different dishes and then. Strategy. Yeah. But, got a strategy. But this was the first time. So I had to, you know, when you're not with people who are, uh, foodies is the wrong word, we're not people who are willing to experiment into different things and try different things. They see something on a menu and they say, I just want to have that. Uh, I'm not really interested in trying something else. And then you. You're almost, almost like the way that a bartender in a craft cocktail place would have to be to say, oh, why don't you try this? We don't have Bud Light, but why don't you try this instead? Or we don't carry Red Bull and vodka. You know, this is your standard Red Bull and vodka, but let me, let me get you this instead. And I assume the same thing happens in restaurants when you have a very limited menu, right? You have some restaurants who print their menu that day. This is what we got from the market, blah, blah, blah. And someone comes in and is like, oh, I just – like in Bardo, there's no spaghetti, Right, there was no fettuccine. Mm-hmm. There was no, you know, they all had every every ribbon was different, and I didn't even know the like. I couldn't tell you the names now. You'd have to look at the menu, and they have the menu online. I didn't know the names. I think of ninety percent of the noodles that were on there. So I had to ask the wait the server. You had to be, you know, and that is hard for people when they go into a restaurant and they see something they don't know the name. They don't, they feel embarrassed because they don't want to ask. The server, what does that mean? But they've made you feel really comfortable there. I'm like, what does this mean? You know? And then when I said it, then everyone else at the table started saying, well, what does this one mean? What does this one mean? And they were really accommodating. Yeah, I think, um, and that's a good point. There's a level of trust involved in going to places, especially new places. Um, I went to Marrow the other night and um, looked at the menu. I was like, oh, everything looks good. And then at the bottom of the menu, um, family style chef's tasting. tasting. No brainer. Yeah. Like, I mean, Especially for the price. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't even a matter of price. It's like chef's tasting. That's what we're going to do, right? And, and so it was fan- It was fantastic. I mean, you, you mentioned yeah. when you went that it was really good. And um, have you been yet? I have not okay. yet. I need uh, to. Um, it, it was just um, every step of the way. And then Ben, who, who's the um, bartender there, does a great job pairing. Um, and it just feels – it feels really – Merrill to me felt very friendly. Yeah. Right, like welcoming everybody working there seemed to be really happy, and that's a huge plus for any restaurant. You know, when, when you're happy doing what you're doing, um, it shows. Right. It shows to the guests. Yeah, it's a know. huge difference. Yeah. So, so on that idea of tasting. So, when I first met Jeremy, you were at Novi Chop House. Yeah, the Chop House. And right. when I, I remember when I came in, uh, you. It wasn't on the menu, but you were like. You want a tasting menu? Oh yeah, that's like my hands down my favorite thing to do. So, just come in and do an impromptu tasting. So how did you how did you come up with that like that impromptu? Like, did you base it off stuff that you had in house, and you're like, okay, I'll do a modification of this? Like, because it was it was me and, and uh, it was probably me and uh, Lena and, and Coop. I yeah, think that came in. It was, so it was three of us, and we were just like, do you want a tasting menu? Like, okay, <laughs> you know, yeah. I used to try to push that as much as I could. So I always got, we always got new stuff in like every day we would have, you know, new produce or new ingredient, something to use. And I always wanted to take that and manipulate it. And, you know, I had a, a pretty good following for people that wanted to come in and do a tasting just based off of like our daily specials and stuff. So it kind of started with the specials and then we kind of started offering that a little bit more just based off of that because a special sold so well. So it was just a variation off of the menu, the dinner menu. So Novi Chop House was like a traditional steakhouse? Yes. Yeah, traditional steakhouse. Um, you know, your fillets and nice ribeyes, porterhouse, and then we always had some nice sides, and we always did a feature. Every single day we did a different feature. And so that gave us a little bit of creative um, flexibility, I guess. So how did you end up there? Where did you so kind of build your trajectory to Novi Chop House? Like So where's the start? So, Was the start Johnson and Wales? Uh yeah. So I went to Johnson and Wales um for my training. Um and that's where. And I went to the campus at the time it was in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay. It's not there anymore. Um they moved to Charlotte. But <clears throat> so I started there 
And then I moved back to Michigan after graduating and I started working for Matt Prentice at okay. the time. Um, he had a ton of places at that time. Uh-huh. Um, I was working at uh, Northern Lake Seafood Company okay. in Bloomfield, uh-huh. where Joe Mears is now. Um, and so I I started as Garmage, just, you know, entry level cook position. So what is Garmage? <laughs> kind of explain that. Through. So Garmage um, is usually like the preparation of the cold food and okay. some cold appetizers, salads, uh-huh. stuff like that. And this is after having formal training. Yes. Right. So, yes. so everyone that's out there who's listening that gets formal training that comes yeah. in and thinks they're going to go right on the line and saute, maybe not. Maybe not. Right. You know, that's, that's where they put Dep- me at depends, the time. It depends on the type of place, right? Right. And it depends on your ambition and what you want to do and, you know. And, and let's place this in terms of year. What year, do you remember what year this was roughly? It was 2005. 2005. Okay. Yeah. And that's before like the, the, like the food network kind of right. boom where people yeah, had this sense of. Right like, on the cusp. Yeah. Yeah. So but now the Entitled. sense is like, I'm going to. Well, okay, yeah, but yeah. It, yeah, I mean that's a part of it, right? Like, but you, we have these TV stars that are like, okay, um, all of a sudden Guy Fieri hits the scene, <laughs> and um, well, whatever, Wait, right? Guy, I got Guy you. Fieri. Yeah, it's no, an no. example. And, and, and so, um, I watched the show, okay. and I, it's I like, well, I'm an, I'm going to be Guy right off the bat. Like, I'm right. going to go do, do the culinary school thing, and then like jump right in, and you know, get hired as an executive somewhere. This is not how it works. No, right? not at all. Or you so read Kitchen Confidential and you think that. Right. right. It's many years of paying dues and starting at the bottom. You yeah. Know. But that's how you learn, right? And, and a lot of heroin. No. <laughs> I guess for some, you know. <laughs> so it wasn't my choice. But. So after, after there. Oh, okay. So after the Chop House. Well, after Matt Prentice. After Matt Prentice. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, after, after that. Um, I took a break from working for Matt and um, – Worked for uh, Chef Brian Polson and David Gilbert. And Forest? Yep, we opened the Forest Grill at the time. Uh, I was a sous chef there. And was your brother there? Where? At Forest? He was not. He worked at the uh, Northern Lake Seafood. Okay. Because I remember, and I'm just going to throw this out and, you know, uh, maybe if we get. yeah, you know what I I know what you're getting at. There's this picture of Jeremy (laughs) and his brother. They had like a chef off somewhere, right? Uh, yeah, we did. We did a, it was an event for Gleaners, um, their Iron Chef yeah, event. I gotta see if I can find it. You uh, guys keep guy, talking. He, you guys talk. He loves to do it. this. <laughs> he does this to me a lot. You guys talking. I'll look for um, it. so, uh, y- you can confirm or deny this, but, um, sure. I've heard stories that, um, G- David Gilbert's a very tough chef to work for. Is that a true, true that's, statement? That's true. He's okay. very tough. And so when, when we say tough, um, I, I picture like the brigade style of of absolutely running a kitchen. Now, can you explain yes. what that is? So, how we did it there, he was a he was executive chef. The menu was all his, a hundred percent. So I was the I was a sous chef. I was a pit bull. I had to make sure everything was getting done. I had to make sure that everybody was um, tentative to their stations. Make sure everything was dialed in every day. So basically. I was I was like the workhorse that made sure that everything came together at the end of the day. Okay. So in in that regard I had to I had to manage, you know, in his style essentially. Because uh he came up in European kitchens and they're they're a lot different than they are here. Well, I guess at the time they may be different now, I don't know. Yeah. Cuz we're talking, you know, 12 years ago. Right. Um so it was it was pretty intense. Um, as far as like him being tough, he was always, it was never personal, right? It was just, you have to have your stuff dialed in. And if not, then, you know, someone's probably going to yell or something's going to get thrown or, you know, something along those lines. But at the end of the day, it was never a personal attack against anybody. Um, it was just about the food, a hundred percent about the food. And we talked about it all day, every day. And I think that's a good point because uh, there, there is this sense that there is, um, you know, like this sense of being offended, personally offended right. by, by the way people manage. And a good business person can totally remove like that kind of personal attack, right? So right. If, if something isn't done properly on the plate, it's not. It's you, not against you. It's that plate that needs right. to look the same or pretty close to the same every time it goes out. Yeah, it's accountability, right? Yep. At the end of the day. So it's never 
I want to hold, I want to hurt Joe's feelings because he didn't do it right. It's you didn't do it right and you need to do it right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because there's not much flexibility there. there there's, there's a lot of names on the line, right? So it's right. not just, you're, you know, you're, you're putting it on the plate and then he's right. putting it out. It's not correct. And then Polson's name is on it too. And yeah. Then, you know, absolutely. It's, yeah. And, and it, at the end of the day, it's about caring about what we're doing and, and everybody in that kitchen held each other accountable, you know, for everything. Like if you didn't plate something right or you didn't make the bouillabaisse right, something like that, I most of the time I wouldn't have to call you out. The peers would call you out. Your yeah. peers would call you out on that. Yep. So. And so what happens after Forrest? After Forrest, uh, Matt had called me and offered me, I was a sous chef at Forrest. Uh-huh. So I had put some time in there and we did really well. Matt had called me and offered me the exact position at the chop house. Okay. Because um, the chef at the time was moving on to something else. Uh-huh. So, and because it wasn't a lateral move, it was it was a big bump up, um, both financially and, um, you know, the res- responsibility and things like that was part of my goal. Yep. To be exact, right? So, I made the move and I had a great time at the chop house. I got to really make a mark there. So, uh, from the point of graduating to executive at Novi Chop House was how long? So, I was 26 when I took over at the Chop House as exec. And I moved back in 2005. So, I was 20 at the time. So, about six years. Six years. Okay. Which is, which is really quick. Yep. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to comment on that. That was, uh, and you, so, and kind of like a business background type of thing, the Novi, Chop house. Uh, wait a second. I'm looking at a photo here. What, what is what is happening? <laughs> That's Jeremy and his brother. Your hair, dude. I know, man. Wow. <laughs> I know. Uh, we'll, we'll be sure to post this on our uh, on our. Uh, wait. So <laughs> so Vato wait. and I have this deal, right? All right. Because he likes to show people that picture. <laughs> he also. I know he has it on his phone. Is a picture of when he uh, you were just got you had just gotten hired by the Detroit police. Oh, right? Yeah. Oh, I've seen that photo. <laughs> That's the deal, man. That's the deal. You Touché. have to post both. Touché. Touché. So you know it's the deal. Anybody <laughs> wants to see that, they can buy me a drink. Um, That's so all love, man. W- while you're at Novi Chop House, uh, ownership change, right? Uh, it, did, it did a couple years into it. A couple years into it. It wasn't right away. Okay. Matt Prentice yeah. yeah. Epicurean. 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 That's right. Yeah, I worked for Matt for a while, for a long time. Um, so what... In your experience, and you can you can say as much as or as little as you want about sure. this. What was the, what was the changeover like? Uh, the changeover, it from what I remember, it was pretty intense because Matt had so many loyal employees. Like he had people working there for twenty years with him. Uh-huh. You know, not just at the chop house, but at all the venues, and some some people even longer than that. So a lot of people were felt insecure about the changes things like that. Um, but overall, for the first little while, it was just little changes, you know. Um, I chose to move on to something else maybe two years into that. Um, I would say it didn't have too much to do with the change. Okay. It was more just my goals and what I wanted to do. I, I wanted to get out of the restaurant life for a little while because I gave so much to it. That's so, all I did for since I was in high school. So you're at Novi for about four years. Is that roughly? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, about four years. And that's and that's where we met. And you and uh, yep. some great events that you know, did the. Uh, I met gar- Joe there too. Yeah, the garden the garden party. Yep. Like that's where I met you. It was at the garden party. Yeah. Uh, um, charity yeah, events. That's right. Um, and you had some other tasting events that you did at. Uh, yeah, we used to do a monthly event. Every every month we did something different. Yeah. And then, uh, full disclosure, I let me you let me stage over there for a I little did. bit. So that was uh, at Novi Chop House. At Novi Chop House, okay. yeah, yeah, it was a great experience. And Novi Chop House still exists, right? Not, it does. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it does. Um, uh, under the Epicurean Group, uh, right. that's right, umbrella still. Yeah. Um. Okay. So then, after Novi Chop House, you, what happens? So after that, I, <clears throat> I was looking for a little bit more balance in my life. Uh huh. So, I went and worked at. Ford Field as like an executive sous chef. Okay. Um, it was super corporate, things like that. Totally not my speed, but I had no idea because all I knew was restaurant life. Um, 
so I worked one season and and I didn't like it. So so let's let's roll back a second and talk sure. about balance. Yeah. Um, when you were when you were working in restaurants, what what was an average week of work for you in terms of number of hours? Uh, minimum sixty. Sixty. Like I I worked a lot because I always wanted to do new things. I always wanted to push it a little bit, and I was just totally invested, uh-huh. like a hundred percent. That's all I did. I would wake up, I would go to the gym, I would go to work, I would go home every day for twelve years. So you're working seven days, six or seven, six or seven. Yeah. Um. And so t- to that end, uh, like, what was it like moving to corporate? Was it less hours? It was less hours. Okay. Uh. So working in the restaurant, you know. You're working all day. Yep. If you're, you know, classically, like if you're the exact, you're there all day because not necessarily because you have to be, but at the time I wanted to be. I just you're I not wanted just to see everything. You're scheduling, you're ordering. Yeah, you're scheduling, you're ordering. You know, we also did banquet parties. We right. had a deli there. So there were three venues there. Yeah, so well, I'd oversee all of it, and I think that's important. Novi Chop House is in a hotel, right? or like a, it is. It's in a hotel. It is okay. So, so that's that right. gives you kind of a larger right. picture so we of had what room you're dealing service, with. Yeah, we had a deli. Yeah, lots of lots of moving parts. Right. So then, the move to, to corporate life be- becomes not only a matter of balance, but also a shifting in the responsibilities that you have as an employee. Right. So what what kind of didn't fit for you? Um, I guess as a restaurant chef and it wasn't really, we work like corporate a little bit, but I basically got to do whatever I wanted as far as the menu and the food and how I wanted to train people, things like that. In a corporate setting, from my experience, it's a little bit more, um, I guess regimented, a little bit more regimented and I have like the brain of an artist. Uh-huh. I don't have that nine to five functionality. So I kind of, I don't go from A to B. I'll go from A to C and then back to B. Uh-huh. I always get the job done and do it proficiently, but it's just a different scenario. Yeah. So w- um, when you work for some someone like, uh, at, like at Ford Field, right? Sure. Um, and they say, you know, you're making this recipe. Is that recipe just handed down from someone up top? Like, how, how many levels of, like, how many levels of people are there in between you and the food? So, at Ford Field, there's there are a ton of moving parts. So they do catering, they do the sweets, you know, uh, food for the sweets. They do all kinds of different stuff. So sometimes you did have some creative input, uh-huh. um, but a lot of the times, you know, they have like a, a lot of very standardized things too. Which is, I, you have to have that for a, a place that large. Yep. You just have to, you know, for costs and, you know, scheduling and all that stuff. Right. It all lines up. Um, it's just, it just wasn't for me because it was huge and I just didn't have like that personal touch to, to the food. I didn't have like a, you kind of have like a relationship with what you're doing, like a food, you know, the yep. food that you're doing and you put a lot of love into it and a lot of time and, in a place like that, it's kind of my experience is you just you you're getting the job done, you know. Mm-hmm. You're just pumping it out. So, and then what happens after Ford Field? After Ford Field, I thought I was in a weird place because uh-huh. I knew I wanted to work for myself, uh-huh. but I hated the corporate life, so I knew that wasn't an option. So I got back into the restaurant game. Okay, I worked at local. Uh huh. Um. Local we did no longer there. there was it's no longer there. Yeah, yep. local in Ferndale. Yep. We did really well there. Um, I was there for only a year. Um, we were super busy. You know, we had a we had a lot of good write ups, a lot of good press, mm-hmm. and you, you hired know, a great brunch chef. Oh man, <laughs> phenomenal, phenomenal brunch guy. What was his name? Toski. Something Toski. I don't know. My little stint yeah. in the brunch world. <laughs> yeah, but you crushed it. Thanks, man. <laughs> and it made my it made my weekends better, man. Oh, because you didn't have to show because up at I had five you. in the morning. <laughs> well, that and because no. there was a great crew. Because you got a positive energy. There was great crew. Yeah. There was Sarah. There was, everyone was great there. Right. This yeah. is a loving moment right now. Man, I like it is. Guys, I, I do love that. Guy. <laughs> but uh, that's off the record. Uh, <laughs> I think this is recorded. But uh, yeah, so I spent some time there, 
And then, you know, Vato was part of, partly responsible for this. <laughs> and, uh, and, and a couple, you know, I have, I have a good structure. I have a good team behind me. Uh, my wife's very supportive of it and, and my cousin was like a big kick in the butt. Uh-huh. But they're like, man, I knew I was ready to do my own thing. I didn't know what that was. Uh-huh. So I didn't have the funds to open a restaurant, you know. Um, so I started catering. I knew I could rent a kitchen and run catering out of that. Uh-huh. So that's, that's what I did. I started my company. Um, Rock and roll caviar. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We started as a pop-up actually. And I know you helped me. You yep. hung out a couple times. Yeah, we, yeah. We we uh, you did an event at Pop when that was doing yeah, the pop up. That yep. was awesome. Yeah, that was. Did awesome. you do stuff at Yemen's? Yep, yep. And I did a brunch at Yemen's. That was successful. Right. We These had are, a ton of good write ups. We were. These are all things that aren't around anymore. No, they're not. But I, I'm glad that I got to be a part of that. You <laughs> yeah. Know? And I tell you, like one of the things about that, and I mean, part of it obviously is because we're friends, and but the experiences I was able to lay onto other people, like. Uh, you know, so Elena, uh, had, uh, a night where her old friends and stuff like they always get together at Christmas time. So like, well, what are we going to do this year? I was like, well, so I said, well, let's, let's hook up with Jeremy and book Yemen's and like take the whole place over yeah. and have him just develop a menu for us that nobody knows. Like, and yeah. that's the best. Like when yeah. nobody knows what's coming out. I remember that night. That was and, a great time. I mean, that kind of stuff was great. And that's, that's where you kind of like, we're going with that for a while and then you're doing a few different events with the uh, rock and roll yeah of. yeah we we did a lot of corporate stuff for a while things like that um and the, you know the tough part about catering is that your your audience is a little bit smaller you know people aren't getting you're not having weddings every day you know they're having weddings on the weekend so what do you do monday through friday mm-hmm. you know you try to get into the corporate lunch and things like that and and that's pretty tough that's a tough, tough, uh, tough thing to get into. There's a lot of competition. There's a lot of people that have been doing it for 20 years. You know, well, not only that, but catering. I mean, catering businesses. Uh, y- y- there's a cost involved for someone who, who's a, who's kind of a smaller producer like yourself yeah, yeah. versus large scale kind of. A lot of times, huge cost. Yeah, and a lot of yeah. times, someone's go- you know they're gonna go to like a Subway or a Jimmy John's or something because right. they can feed everybody for $3 a person. Right, which is hard to to compete with. Yeah. I mean, your food costs are 3 $4 a person. Yeah. You're, you're trying to charge 12 for something fantastic. Right. And, and we didn't want to do like, here's a turkey sandwich right. with pasta salad. Right. We wanted to do chef-driven food. Yep. But unfortunately, it doesn't appeal to the mass audience. Right. Well, only because, as you said, the cost point. But once you get somebody over that, and, you know, like, a, again, in full disclosure, I've hired Jeremy for a lot of different events yeah. that we've had. because yeah, we've we, done a lot. You know, you know, the Detroit Police Command Officers, for example, had a holiday party, and we hire him. And, yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, and we've even had you for, like, baby showers and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, like, all, and weddings, and uh, there's been so many different things. Like, once you realize what you're getting for the cost point, like you said, Joe, like, yeah, am, am I going to weigh, like, going to Jimmy John's and getting a sub, or are we going to have, you know, uh, I don't even know the stuff. We uh, uh, porchetta and yes. uh, there's been so many great <laughs> so things. Many, yeah, well, I think the thing to remember is that uh, if someone were to come to you, like you know, as as a caterer, and say to you, "Well, I have X budget to work within. Yeah, I have to feed this many people. I love doing that. Can you do it? I love that challenge. Uh, and and that's as long as it makes sense. Yeah, I have to pee, I have to pay people. I have to, you know, so I have to cover costs. But right. You know, I usually can make that work. But the the, the issue becomes like, a lot of times before <laughs> that question is even presented, it's how much you charge per person, right? And right. and it puts you in the position of saying, "Well, I don't uh, know what you want." Yeah, <laughs> right. And you could say I could range it from you know, and then you say, "Well, I'm going to start at nine dollars a person," and maybe that's on the low end, right? But and all of a sudden you price yourself out because you know, Mister Peta right. can do right. yeah five dollars. But a this person. this person wants tenderloin. And you're like, well, I can get you pork, and it's going to mm-hmm. cost you the price that you want, and it's going to be, you know, we're going to make it really well, phenomenal pork, right, right. kind of thing. Like, and and that's that's one of the things I think a great chef or a great caterer will do, versus that kind of you're, you know, I don't know if you're just googling. And it's like, where do I look for a caterer? And and hot, right? Yeah. So like, what what's your from your background? What do you think that people should do looking like? Yeah, I need to find a caterer. So now you're doing. I'm jumping ahead two things here. Okay, sure. But now you're doing 
both kind of in a way, right? You're doing a catering, but you're also yeah. doing a tacos. Yeah, so we have our food truck business. So talk, about, is, talk about that, and then we'll go back to the catering. Sure. Mix in. Uh, so I was telling you, you know, what do you do Monday through Friday? So one of my friends that also owns a food truck linked us up with this opportunity working for uh, like a corporate um like a corporate dining company and they do they they'll come into your office and they'll build out like a little convenience store right they'll they'll build out a convenience store and um sometimes offer like a pop-up like a lunch pop-up so we got linked up with that and i was like man what do we get what are we gonna do i'm not gonna do sandwiches everybody does sandwich you can go anywhere so we started doing these uh we started doing burritos and tacos and just really simple but chef driven you know we were making our own salsa we're making our own marinades all that good stuff and we started doing that once a week at um at a ford location ford motor company so um that took off really quickly uh we had a huge following and we were doing it once a week every thursday we would show up and do this you know it was a quick you know a few hundred dollars same location same location okay um then the property manager there he he was digging what we were doing, and we always showed up on time and came every week. So he had hooked us up with two more buildings. So now we're doing three buildings with these tacos and burritos, and it's it appeals to more people. It's a lower you know lower cost item. You could grab it at lunch and feel like you had a you know you got a good deal. Um, so then it just clicked. It was just natural. I was like, we need to do tacos and burritos. This is what we're doing. And we're going to put some more time into it. We're going to put some more research into it. And we're going to really, like I'm a chef. And chefs can make tacos and burritos. It's okay. You know? So, so the, I think uh, something you brought up a second ago that's important to say is that you said you showed up on time. Right. <laughs> you showed up consistently. Yes. Um, and, and it may seem like an obvious point, but it really isn't. No. Because showing up, and you know, I, I think this is—it's even like a saying, right? Showing up is like half the battle. Right. Like, and, and in our industry, it's strange how many people just don't show up. You're right. I struggle with it weekly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm even talking about, but even from your perspective, as as a as a person with a a job ready to pay, right? I, hey, once I saw that we had such a large following, and just those three locations, it was natural. I was focused. Yeah. I was ready to do this. I was ready to invest some time. I was ready to invest some money, which at the time, I didn't have a lot of it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> I had a great restaurant career, made good money, um, and I decided to leave that to start my own company. Mm-hmm. So I was working, I don't know, like 12 jobs, plus doing that on the side. Yeah. So um, that was that was really what kept me focused and driven at the time. Was that I saw the potential and we were going to do this thing. So as of right now, like today, are you still doing the three days a week the so taco service or we, is, it, is it more? Yeah. So we still go to those three locations three okay. years later. And now we do about 15 to 18 more lunches a week. Wow. Yeah. Where, where, do, you, where do you work out of? So I ran a kitchen in Ferndale. Okay. And... uh. It's a fully licensed, I have it fully licensed as a commissary kitchen. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and that's where, we, that's where we work out of. And you, it's you and how many other people at this point? So I have two people, it's myself, uh-huh. and then I have two people that uh, consistently help me. Uh-huh. And then we have a roster of about 10 people that we can call on uh, as needed. So other cooks that work nighttime gigs at restaurants um, or, you know, wherever. And so it's a morning gig. We're done by one o'clock, one thirty. They can go work at the restaurant if they want. So it's a good little side hustle for them. And then afterwards, if you pick up a gig, catering back to this circles back to the catering. Then sure. you are still we're available, the, still in the mix for catering, yeah. specializing in menus that you make up with the client, kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah. How, how should people? This was going back to that. How should people look for a caterer? Like, what are you being a caterer? Sure. Yeah. I, I, so for me, we're so busy in the taco world that 
I really just do catering through word of mouth. I want to work with people that are that we know or I know through a friend of a friend or they found us that way, like very organically. But if you were if you're somebody like hypothetically the taco thing wasn't happening at the moment, how or you're looking for a caterer? What do you? Th- I mean, do you do you sample the food? Do you? Uh, is it dependent on like how expensive the the gig is? Like if you have a wedding, like you know, do people sample the food? Do they? Do you menu plan with the people? Like, should the caterer menu plan with the client? Should they? That's that's the way I've always approached it. Um, I like to do custom menus. I don't have a one off menu that, or I don't have a menu that's here's what we do. There's you know ten entrees, six appetizers, whatever. We don't do that. So it's not traditional how I do it. Uh, a potential client would call me. We would talk about kind of their likes and dislikes how they want to do the food, whether it's plated or it's a buffet. And then I pitch them a few menu items and then we just go from there. So it's, it's really simple, but it's also not traditional. Some people want that 10 menu item menu, you know, they just want to, okay, I want chicken, piccata, whatever. Masacholi. Yeah. Which we don't really do. Like you were saying uh, about the Italian place that you were talking about earlier. Yeah. They don't have spaghetti. They're not too good for it. They just don't. That's not what they do. Right. So I'm not too good for chicken piccata. It's it's great. It has a time and a place. Um, But we don't do that. I would offer something comparable that I came up with or, you know, something like that. I think another interesting thing that you mentioned to go back on is, is this idea of uh, running a successful business. So it's you, two people that you consistently help you. Sure. Then you have a roster of 10 other people that you can call on. Right. And and that roster, I think, is one thing that's really misunderstood in the, in the culinary world is that these are like essentially like what, what would you call them? Like a knives for hire? Yeah, basically. Yeah. And, and these guys – and I, I, I've used them as, as a um, – as help as well. Yeah. Um, th- there's a lot of chefs out there that are willing to, to just jump on um, and, and help out. And absolutely, w- with a bit of direction, it's a pretty incredible thing. It right? is, and it's it's really just networking, like anything else. So I I network a lot. I know you know I know every cook pretty much. You know, yeah. so I just reach out and hey, I have a gig. I need hands. It's you know it's during the day, so it's a little bit more appealing. You know, sometimes we have night gigs or we have night gigs a lot, but usually I can just, there's people available. Like you said, like hired, you know, hired and, guns or whatever. Yeah. Like I've, I've used Brian, uh, Brian Senke before. Yeah. Uh, Brian's great. Brian is, yeah. you know, fantastic. Okay. Yeah. I, I think he's a perfect example of someone who yeah. he has a day gig. He's like a merc, like a mercenary. Yep. <laughs> I, I do that as well sometimes. Yep. You know, if, you helped us at the bakery before. I did. Yep. He's, yeah, for a Jeremy's while. Jeremy's done some work at Ackroyd, so yeah. it's like, yeah. I've always thought that was that, that was my in-between phase. That was my uh, <laughs> that was my building my business phase. I always thought Detroit was very Detroit Metro Detroit area was very great for camaraderie between everybody. I mean, I agree. Uh, you look at uh, and I mentioned this too in part because you were in it, but Regato's Young Gun series. Sure. I mean, you were one of the Young Guns yeah. that came out and and that. That uh, I forgot which one it was, like four or five, six. Yeah, something like that. I don't remember. But he's had like six or seven of them, right? Yeah, I mean, that's all these chefs working together. Yeah, you don't see this. We I mean, just did it for fun. Yeah, we did it for fun, and and they hang out and you know have some drinks and, and uh, cook some food. Uh, there was uh, there was the one event I helped you out with. Uh, oh my god, it was like the seven hundred yes. plated event at uh, an Eastern Market. <laughs> yeah, funny and, story. And then there was. Uh, <laughs> Uh oh, um, man! You had so many chefs there helping out. Oh was man, that I had event? everybody. Was that the event that they told you one number yes. and, and it yes. ended up being like triple or double yeah, was, or something? It doubled overnight. It was supposed to be like 250 people. We showed up, and luckily, because I always like to be prepared, I made extra stuff. It was like 650 people. I it turned to out to be 650 I, people. I have pictures of that night. I <laughs> do too. Yeah, yeah, I have your pictures. But uh, six courses for 650 people that we just pulled out of our ass. And it was just you? 
No, like, no, I no. Mean, I mean, not not just you. you it was but, my but, company like, doing food. it. Yes, yes. It was my menu. It was it was my company being represented. That's that's a terrible position oh, to put yourself in, dude. I was so stressed. I was as a, as an event coordinator to to put the 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 food in that position. I was incredibly stressed. At least we had uh, it was a shed. It was shed five in Eastern Market, yes. so it had a it had a professional kitchen there. Great kitchen. I think we were like the first people to cook in that kitchen. I think. Oh, really? Yes, that's a very. nice It was kitchen. like like we were peeling plastic off the ovens. Wow. Yeah. Then I had. I mean, there were, there were <laughs> we had so many talented chefs working with us that night. It was awesome. As as a general rule for events, especially events that um, are sold or someone tells you there's going to be 300 people, right? Like as a general, I bring less food. <laughs> it's amazing that you you brought more food. I had a feeling. I just wow. had a feeling. That, that's just, just some intuition, I guess. <laughs> that, that event grew as we were, as we we were in the kitchen. It. We crushed it, though. Oh, my God. I never want to relive that day. I told everybody. <laughs> so, And I was working a full-time job at that time. Wow. So we worked until, I think, 3 or 4 in the morning. I went home for two hours and had to go to work at 6. <laughs> I, I, my back hurt. My, oh, here, here. I told people I felt like a new, per, a different that, person that, that, that just day. That's showing Joe a picture here. Of plates on top of plates on top of plates <laughs> while we're while we're prepping one because because you oh, don't have space so in the crazy. kitchen like this because you are making three courses at the same time yeah. this isn't you know chop top chef where like you gotta you know you're put I mean this is you you literally are making six hundred courses just stacks times of plates. three and and so you're you're getting it ready I mean it's everything is made all minute <laughs> almost you know I I think after that event I had like. 50, 50 people messaged me the next day or the next two days like, dude, what the hell? What did wow. you, how'd you do that? Wow. It was like, I, it wasn't just me, obviously. It was like my whole team. I had an incredible team. Right. But um, yeah, that was... so many people. We got some clout for that, for sure. <laughs> for sure. So uh, let's return to work-life balance. Sure. All right. So now you, you have uh, your three days a week that you've been consistently doing for three years, you have 15 to 18 additional lunches. Yeah. And it sounds like you do some weekend work as well. Yeah. Yeah. So we do stuff um, with, we, we started with a taco cart, right? Uh-huh. Because I, I didn't take a huge investment when I started my company. It was all, I, I borrowed a little bit of money from, from family and I bought this like cart. <laughs> yeah. And we were out slinging tacos with this cart. Uh huh. And, you know, then I saved up and I bought a food truck. Uh-huh. So it's all bought and paid for. And and that was the roots of it, you know. It's not a it's not a truck truck. You have it's a tr- it's a pull behind trailer. Yeah, right, right. And, but and it has a full kitchen. And we inside. were we were talking about that a little bit. That why you didn't go the full uh right. like chef El Jefe uh John Favreau <laughs> food truck route. Yeah. That's right. So the reason that I didn't buy the food truck with like the engine and you know all that like the drivable food truck mm-hmm. is um I feel that you have a little bit more flexibility with a trailer. Um I like there's so many awesome people in the food truck community that we're friends with. Um but I see them from time to time like oh the alternator went bad. We have to cancel, you know, a $2000 service today. Man, that would that would hurt my feelings so bad. Yeah. So I bought a truck, a brand new truck, and I have my trailer. If my truck breaks, I go to U-Haul, I rent a truck or I take it back and they give me one from the dealership. Uh-huh. Is, is probably brand- the better option. <laughs> right. But uh and then and then we're we're off for service for the day. We're not missing out on that. So that that was the uh, the reason. You know, there's there's also some downfalls to it as well. You know. And then how many so in terms of like the work life balance now, you have a family and of, of course like so what what are you looking at in terms of weekly hours put in versus where you were as an executive chef? So it varies. Uh, you know, sometimes I'm still working 80 hours a week, mm-hmm. but it's not as typical as the restaurant life. I don't have to be there all the time. So sometimes I, I, I don't even, uh, sometimes I won't chase like a gig if I feel that my family needs me home uh-huh. or I, I feel like I need to be home. Um, you know, that, that's why I started this. So I could, I could have that flexibility. I make a good living. I'm not trying to trying to overdo it like that anymore and you know eventually i'll have a full-time manager that's that's the next step for us so then i was just going to ask that what's on the horizon here yeah so we we do have a couple of um potential pretty big projects coming up 
um, but nothing set in stone, so I don't want to speak on it. Right. But my two-year goal is to have a manager that's on like my page or maybe even someone a little bit sharper than me, you know, um, someone to pick up my weaknesses, you know, uh-huh. maybe that's their strengths. I know what they are, you know? Uh-huh. So, um, that's my two year goal is to have basically a, like a partner, you know, that would, that would divvy up the responsibilities with me and somebody that I can trust to send out. And Same way or brick and mortar or, uh, so right now just the truck, but we've been thinking about a brick and mortar. So why? Why the brick and mortar? Yeah. Uh well, because we're in in front of so many people now, uh-huh. we get asked almost every day. Um, honestly, we get asked every day when are we going to open a brick and mortar. So I feel that the I feel that there's a good reason to do it. Uh-huh. I feel like it can be supported. I just don't know what side of town yet. Right. And in terms of sure. the the. So the, you have the three days a week that you're kind of committed to, right, at, at this mm-hmm. location. You do 15 to 18 other lunches a week. What does that mean in terms of, like, spreading yourself too thin? Is that are – you, are you not spread too thin at this point? No, we're not spread too thin at this point um, because you, I have, like, all these – like, these people that work with us uh-huh. that I really enjoy being around, and, and they like hanging out with us. So I get to, you know, throw them a few bucks during the day before they go to work or – Whatever, and they they help me out. So Are these it works like out well? It's like setting up like a taco bar somewhere, or is it? like... Yeah, yeah. Okay, so indoor, um, right now, obviously, because uh-huh. it's so cold outside, right? But um, yeah, we'll go into like so. Some of the places we go to are are huge companies. Uh huh. Um. Yeah, so I don't I don't know if I should say, but oh, you have to say the company, yeah. but like when you when you set up a lunch, yeah. Um, because I I feel like the three <clears throat> places during the week you're physically there, you're serving people like. Right, yeah, we like show up. They uh, come to you and they buy from you. Yeah, but yeah if, that's right. But if you set up a taco bar, like that's set up like as a catering gig, right? So we also do that. Okay. We also do and catering. What does that it. look like? Uh, so you would call me for your office. Uh-huh. Say you have 20 people. Yep. Um, we drop off, basically we call it a DIY taco bar. Uh-huh. And we have sides and all that good stuff. And then we literally drop it off. So that's our drop-off catering. We also do catering where... We'll come to to your house, and depending on how many people, it'll be myself or, you know, or they'll send two guys out or two people, and they'll slang tacos to you for order. Like, your guests would come up, and, you know, we have a predetermined menu that you and I talked about, and your guests just come up, and we make them fresh tacos to order. So th- this is something as we roll into, like, graduation season and yeah, stuff. It, yeah, we do a lot of that. It's perfect for that. Okay. Yeah. So this is something that people do fairly often. Like they'll say, well, I want a taco bar at my son's high school graduation or my daughter's high school yeah, graduation. Yeah. So either that or they want the, the food truck. Uh huh. So yesterday I booked three graduation parties. I don't know why everybody decided to call me yesterday, but uh-huh. I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I want to get ahead of the curve. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think that's, that's just it too. It's getting to be that time where they need to start planning it out. So. And then do you do like a late night wedding type of thing where we do. people will like, have their wedding meal and then have you guys come on after as like a yeah it's like some people do like pizza or sliders or whatever uh-huh. yeah yeah we do that we'll bring a truck or we can do a diy bar whatever yeah so but that's on top of doing the wedding too because you've done yeah you've done some i've seen done some a ton of, of weddings wedding. that they've they've catered yeah. oh like the whole thing like the whole thing yeah well because i also still do catering uh-huh that's not taco oriented so sometimes we'll do their whole wedding and then we'll do tacos at the end of the night so uh, I get to kind of sell that on top of that, you know, on top of doing their whole wedding. You should come back when the taco truck with like a luchador mask on. <laughs> like, say, be someone else. Yeah, this is a new guy. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> uh, what What are some of the um, most popular items that you have on like the meats that you serve? Like you, you, do you have like a list of like five, ten? How many do you yeah. work with? Yeah, so like our – Lunch offerings where we go and set up in the offices. Mm-hmm. We typically offer three different proteins, and then we also we always have like a vegan option. Oh, okay. Every everywhere we go, we have a vegan option. Uh huh. Um, the most popular item that we sell is because we also do burrito bowls. Uh huh. At these places, is like a chicken burrito bowl. Everybody wants chicken. 
Like literally like 70% of our customers. Wow. Adobo so, season? Yeah, or adobo grilled chicken. Yeah, it's super popular. That's great. Yeah. But we also do like chorizo and potato. Like we do some traditional stuff. I'm not, I don't ever claim to be traditional. Uh-huh. We do traditional style tacos on the food truck. So we'll do like barbacoa. We'll do chorizo and potato, uh-huh. you know, things like that. Uh-huh. Whatever we're feeling. But then we also do a couple chef driven things. Like um, we do a smoked pork belly and we'll do like a mango pico, you know, things like that. We'll do a tostada, things like that. And you make all the salsas, all that stuff. We make everything. Our marinades, we make our salsas. We do like this chipotle lime crema that people love. Uh-huh. And we make that stuff. We make our salsas about every other day. We go through about 20 gallons a week. Has this path that you've gone down, like, so you go from Johnson and Wales to <laughs> to taco, taco guy? Yeah. Is this surprising to you? It what? is. It is. <laughs> but I also embrace it. I love it. So you're, you're happy. Very. Yeah. Yeah. That's I, great. I always. It's the best decision I ever made, I think, as far as my career goes. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so where can people find you online and on social media? Yeah. So we have a website. It's ruckustaco.com. Uh-huh. R-U-C-K-U-S. Yeah. Like Wu-Tang, bring the ruckus. <laughs> so that's that's the inspiration behind that. Uh-huh. But um, we also do the Facebook thing. We do Instagram, Ruckus Taco. Awesome. Yeah. Jeremy, thanks for being with us. Yeah, Absolutely. thanks for having me, Until guys. next time, dine well, friends.